We respectfully acknowledge the University of Arizona is on the land and territories of indigenous peoples. Today, Arizona is home to 22 federally recognized tribes, with Tucson being home to the Autumn and Yaqui. Committed to diversity and inclusion, the university strives to build sustainable relationships with sovereign native nations and indigenous communities through education offerings, partnerships, and community service. episode of the PA Path Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lohenry, and we are glad you could join us as we seek to better understand the PA profession. It was you treat a disease and you win, you lose. You treat a person and I guarantee you'll win no matter what the outcomes. Well, hello, and thank you again for joining us today. That quote from Patch Adams is one of my all-time favorites, and that is from our very own Dr. Daniel Park. Dan is an extraordinary leader, an extraordinary PA, a phenomenal human being, and one of the most humble people on the planet. Dan talks to us about his fellowship at the Keck School of Medicine of USC in urology, as well as his own path to becoming a PA, and he talks about the pros and cons of urology fellowships. In addition, you learn a little bit about leadership and uh, also about his doctorate in medical sciences that he completed. We also wanna let you know that we're gonna be taking a short break while we move our studio to Tucson, Arizona. Life is a little bit chaotic right now as we make this move down to the Tucson area. So we will get back on track probably by the beginning of May and kick it off with our next series of people that are sharing their time, talents, and insights on the profession. As always, you can learn more about our colleagues and the conversations at our website at thepapathpodcast.com. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We're excited to learn about your role in urology and about the postgraduate training program that you have developed at CAC. I think our audience, the students and the applicants are probably going to be curious about what the pros and cons are of going into that. But before we start with that, let's talk about you personally. Tell me about your desire to become a PA and how did you land in this path that you have sure. taken well, so effectively? <laughs> well, firstly, I, I just, thanks for having me, Kevin. You know how much uh, of a deep respect and admiration I have of you. And uh, it's a privilege and honor to be here. Um, gosh, my journey and my story, I would say I've always hated blood uh, and uh, never thought about medicine. In fact, I studied business and by the time I was, you know, almost finishing up with finance and economics and I just realized I hate this stuff. <laughs> I'm not a money guy and I, this, is, this is something I don't want to do. And then my, uh, my brother-in-law, who's a urologist said, Dan, he said, you love helping people. He goes, go to medical school. And I was like thinking, are you crazy? Uh, no way. I just, it's not for me. I don't want to do that. I love the water. Uh, and I thought uh, I've always wanted to be the, like an Asian version of Jacques Cousteau and go travel the world and be a dolphin trainer and, you know, work at some volunteer at SeaWorld or some nonprofit aquarium. That's what I really wanted to do. But I thought, you know, he knows me. He's known me since I was a kid. And I do like helping people and engaging. And so I said, you know what the heck, I'll, I'll, I'll take an EMT course in college. So did that. Uh, ended up working on an ambulance to get some experience. And it turns out that I, I absolutely loved it. It was so fun. And one night, Kev, it was uh, it was a Saturday night, of course, and it was probably, boy, 
two, three o'clock in the morning. It was a 24 hour shift. We get a, a multiple gunshot wound patient, stabilized, he's fine, rush him to the ER. This is down at UC Irvine Trauma Center. <clears throat> and we get to the ER and basically there's no parking for the ambulance. So all the bays are full. Uh, the lot was completely packed. I'm thinking, oh my God, this poor guy, thank God our patient is stable. We look at a patient in and then uh, uh, there's this one guy, uh, young buck, probably a military corpsman like you, just boom, 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 calling all the shots, running two codes, had multiple trauma, had chest pains going on as well too. I just remember it was everything and anything like the old county days. And I'm just looking at this guy, like my, my back against the wall, just astonished. I'm thinking, this guy's Superman. I should just get this guy a cape. Then he comes up to us, he goes, what do you guys got? Just presented the patient. And I said, hey, doc, just want to let you know, uh, I just really just an admiration of all you're doing tonight. This is amazing. And I saw his uh, his coat and it said PA. He said, oh, thanks. Call me. I forgot his name, uh, but call me so-and-so. I'm a PA. I had no idea what that was. So I said, like everybody else does back then. Okay, doc. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, I talked to my brother-in-law years later. This is back in the you know early '90s or so, and when patients would ask you, "So when are you going to medical school?" Um, and so I talked to my brother-in-law, and he's like, "I, I said, hey, well, how about this whole PA thing?" And he said, "Hot dog, that's a great idea." Um, so the more I, I dove deep down into it, the more I thought this was perfect for me. I, I love helping people. I love medicine. It was a lot of fun. I love the sciences. I, I, I aced it all. I did really well, unlike the business classes, because I've kind of found my fire. Uh, I applied, um, and by the grace of God, I got into USC. Um, that was in 1994, and I never looked back. It's just been a, a, a great journey. What's fun for me is I, I went into PA school in 1994 as well. So so you and I graduated in 96. You mm -hmm. got out in 96 as well, right? Yep. So we both went PAs for the exact same time frame. And uh, you graduated in May. Uh, yes, that's right. So you, 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 and I graduated July 1st. So you, you have a couple months on me. <laughs> <laughs> you are my elder. <laughs> <laughs> PA license, 13945. You're probably is the few numbers after. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dan, as you reflect back from... <clears throat> The last now what 25 years of being a PA? 26 uh, years? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it flies by. What what's been the biggest surprise for you about the profession? Oh gosh, that's a great uh question. I, I, I think there's a kind of multiple answers to that. I think the biggest answer for me would be every time you invite me to to come and teach or give a talk, or when I get to you know precept your your students, um I'm just astonished and amazed at how strong and stellar your students are literally every single one i remember one time i was on the admission committee and just doing interviews and i thought man these guys have the toughest job all these kids are stellar they're all top of their class they're all brilliant and just smart and just bushy-eyed and just they just want to jump and they know exactly what a pa is unlike back when we went to school i mean i think a lot of people really still uh, had no idea about the profession. And so that's been really astonishing to see. It's kind of kind of cool to go to PA school now, you know, there, and you and I are kind of the dinosaurs and thinking, oh, you guys did it when it wasn't cool, when it was just basically quote forming, but that's been great to see the cool, profession. Yeah. Made a cool, I don't know about you that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, but that part's great. I mean, to see these kids fired up, like 
really wanting to go to, to PA school. We have, you know, students and, and, and researchers and all kinds of people shadowing us in clinic at USC. And, and uh, a lot of them are just so sharp. And I'm telling these undergrad students, say, hey, you know, why don't you go to med school? And they're like, oh, no, no, I'm applying to PA school uh, with, with zero doubt. Uh, and yeah. that's pretty, pretty awesome to see that people know the profession and, and have a good respect for it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When you and I graduated, uh, I, I looked these numbers up one time. There were mm. 29,000 certified PAs in the United States. Wow. Uh, there were 54 accredited PA schools in the United States. Wow. We now have, I think, 135,000 certified PAs, and there are over 280 accredited PA schools. So it's just been what a boom, you know, Gosh. talk about trendsetters, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. But they're taking our jobs, aren't they? <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's what they used to say about us. Right. All the old time PAs. Right. I remember that, that. never happened. Never happened. Yeah, that's that Wild. is great. Wild. So so uh, you graduated from SC. Mm -hmm. And uh, where did you go after that? Uh, it's funny. So uh I still, you know how it was when you did your rotations and it was so difficult because every four to six weeks you fell in love with something else. You thought you wanted to do ortho, you thought you wanted to do peds, you thought you wanted to do something else. And that was me because every every rotation I just was just astonished and, and awe and I just wanted to go deeper. So I fell back into emergency medicine just because I knew it and I was pretty decent at it and I could do a pretty fairly good job. And so uh, I was moonlighting in the ER um, and uh, the uh, the chair at this place uh, just really wanted me to stay. And he's like, Dan, just moonlight here and get a feel for it. Uh, and, you know, while you're studying, you know, I was studying and preparing uh, for kind of the next phase of my life. And I thought I was going to move to the East Coast. And then all along that brother-in-law uh, kind of pings me and says, hey, Dan, I could really use your help uh, in the clinic. Just a part-time thing. Just a part-time job. Help me see some patients in the clinic uh, and do a consult here and there. And I'm like, ah, what the heck, you know. And that part-time job turned into 10 years full-time. Um, I just uh, ended up really loving it. I think urology is a field we don't really think about. And, you know, you, you, you think about, you know, peds and internal medicine and ortho and, and the big ones, but you really don't think about urology. And, and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of facets of urology that are pretty, pretty exciting in that you get kind of a, a taste, a combination of medicine, of surgery, of technology, uh, of procedures, and we're quick to adopt robotics and, and laser stones and all kinds of neat stuff. That's really fun. And I, I really found that really innovative. So uh, that tenure stint um, was amazing, and I learned a lot. We did very well. We had uh, multiple practices. We had a surgical center, a lithotripsy, and we did well. But I think I was just kind of maxed out. Uh, and so um, at that time, USC was recruiting uh, a Dr. Andy Gill, who was the uh, at that time the chair at Cleveland Clinic, which was ranked, I believe, number two in the country at that time. I met with him. I knew I wanted to do robotics, um, and. Uh, it was kind of two peas in a pod kind of a story. And, and uh, I asked him, you know, he flew me out to Cleveland to go see Cleveland Clinic. And I told him, you're an idiot. How could you leave this place? I mean, why would you do that? And then he looks uh -huh. right at me in a typical Gil fashion. And, and he said, well, he's like, why did you leave your brother-in-law? Uh, and I really thought about it. I'm like, I guess maybe just to build something. He goes, Dan, he goes, this place is already built. Let's go back to LA and build, build one of the best programs. And I never looked back. It was, it's been a, a really fun, fun ride.
How exciting is that? Yeah. Wow. So, so what's a typical day for a urology PA, or maybe it's better to say a typical week because it sounds like <sighs> you have a, a fair bit of variety. It is busy. You know, uh, it's a it's a specialty that is really um, there's a big need in urology, and that's why I do see a lot of PAs uh, kind of catching on seeing this. There's a lot of primary care uh, in urology that uh, I think some people don't really understand how much primary care is involved. There's a lot of medicine and nephrology uh, and just your BPH and overactive bladder and your stones, your incontinence, all your basic general urology stuff. Um, but it is a busy specialty, I would say. Uh, I think our department is always kind of competing with ortho, those darn ortho, ortho guys, but we're probably number one and number two, number one, number two of surgical volumes. A, a typical urology department is about two to 3% of any major academic medical center in our country. Uh, here at USC, we are about 16 to 17%. Uh, we are the dominant player at Keck. Um, so it's very busy and that translates into you are going to be busy but I promise you, you are going to have a heck of a time. Uh, and so it's busy, um, you know, in our country. I think, what's the stat, Kev? I think 10,000 Americans turn 65 every single day. So this kind of graying of America, uh, I think, uh, in part is going to be, in major parts, going to have, have to be met by uh, urology PAs. Um, and so it's fun. A typical day or week, uh, well, COVID kind of shifted a lot of things. Um, so a lot of telemed for me. Uh, but we basically, you know, rotate through the operating room. We first assist on open robotic cases, uh, laparoscopic cases, some of the most uh, complex cases in urology. The entire depth and breadth is what we cover at USC. Uh, we are a cancer center, as you know, so we were one of the original eight uh, cancer centers. Um, and so that just means we're dedicated to cancer. So, you know, we don't do peds, we don't do ER, you know, it's basically uh, a very, very kind of cancer oncology driven program. Um, but we have, you know, endourology, we have reconstructive surgery, we have female pelvic health, uh, we have benign disease, oncology, uh, you name it, we have it. So you're busy either in the clinic in the on the floor in the OR, we have RPAs, pretty much a little army of PAs uh, running the show and calling the shots uh, in the OR on the floor. We have four full time that run the floor. Uh, we have Norris that we cover. We have Keck that we cover. We also have Verdugo Hills Hospital and USC also recently bought out Arcadia. So uh, it's been a growing program. We had zero satellites when we started. Uh, started me, Dr. Gill and I, we started this around the same time. Now we have 13 satellites uh, working on a few more. Um, so we have, we and we rely on these PAs because they're amazing. Um, and so they're pretty much everywhere and anywhere. Uh, Kep. So, so the growth of the PA cohorts, if you will, at, at, your, at the US Urology really was driven from this constant growth. And, and you were the first PA and had, they, they, they liked that model. So they continue to expand with your leadership. Is that right? I don't know about that. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I think we were all, I, I, we all, we knew what we wanted. We wanted to own this place and we wanted to be the best, uh, not as a pride issue, but we just really want to make our job meaningful. Uh, and, you know, if you're spending so many hours at work, well, why not make it a meaningful job to give help you give more meaning to your life in, in that sense, because you're helping people. Um, so it, it, it was, it was maybe a little bit of me, but I can see that back then, 
Um, we had people like Isla Skinner who, you know, were basically, you know, kind of these pillars in urology. She's now the chair over at Stanford and uh, another one of our, our, our faculty is going to, to, uh, to uh, Cornell starting very soon to be a chair. Uh, it's, it's, I think the program is really built on the strength of the people. Uh, and I think once the attendings realized just how solid these PAs were, they would kick and fight and scream to have a PA by their side helping them because they realized, man, there's so much more of a boom in their practice and, and let alone patient experiences uh, and just having more fun uh, in the practice of medicine. It's definitely a team here. There's no silo. Everybody relies on on one another. But yeah, great people with a great department, uh, everybody with the same common goal and vision really can lead to really good outcomes. Yeah, yeah. And so when did you decide to start a postgraduate training program? And tell oh, us a little so bit about funny. that. Honestly, I had no idea what I was doing, nor do I still. I just kind of piecemeal this, piecemeal that. Uh, you could thank our good friend, uh, Professor Janice Trammell, who I love and I owe uh, my professional career to. Uh, she's made me a better, forget clinician, just a better better human being. She's just inspired me from, from the day I met her. She was the first to interview me um, uh, back in 1993, around that time. And I felt sick to my stomach and you walk in the room and I kind of peeked in. She said, come on, come on in, I'm not gonna bite you. Uh, and it was great. Um, but you know, I told her, hey, Janice, you know, I really wanna uh, maybe start this fellowship and how can we make this fellowship a more advanced program? And what do you think about it? And you know, there's everybody's watching from the American Urologic Association to our own department to leadership here. Uh, a lot of other departments were watching because they're thinking, how are they gonna do this? Um, and everybody said, it's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. Uh, by the grace of God, we, we got one fellow um, that was about six and a half years ago, um, just kind of piecemeal. I thought, well, you know, let's put a program together, you know, kind of three month blocks. I said, maybe three months of general, three months of euro-oncology, uh, three months of, uh, of stone disease and female pelvic health, and then a three month elective. And then, but I soon realized, you know, these PAs were awesome. They were already certified and nor do I want to call them residents. So I, I didn't want to call this a residency. I wanted to call this a fellowship. I wanted them to be treated as such. Um, and so, uh, we got funded for one, uh, by the very top, uh, at leadership. Um, and they realized, wow, this can be a good way to kind of, you know, help with the volumes and, and, uh, and really kind of help, you know, help the bottom line as well. So ultimately one went to two and two went to four, uh, no looking back. And then I recruited, uh, other, uh, colleagues to help, uh, Liz, uh, was our, uh, director of education. She just took maternity leave, so now Deborah is helping with that. Uh, it's definitely, you say my fellowship, but it's far from mine. Nothing is mine. I, I just work here. I'm part of the team. Um, but we really have this high caliber people uh, of PAs who are mainly new grads and who are basically graduating from some of these top programs, including yours at USC. Um, and, and I asked them, why would you want to do this? You know, I had one who just finished a one-year ER fellowship, and I'm like, why are you doing this coming from Cornell? And she's like, I fell in love with urology uh, and I realized I needed to get better trained at this. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that's how it all kind of happened. I really don't know how it happened. It just kind of piecemealed together. And by, you know, getting some gracious support, uh, things are going pretty good. So if I'm a PA student thinking about the pros and cons of going to a fellowship after graduation, what are those, uh, what are those typical talking points that you provide when they talk to you about your, your fellowship program? 
At first, I, I usually tell them, uh, you, you do really want to do this. You don't have to do this. You are certified, you're licensed, you're already uh, uh, going to excel in your field. I can tell these, these people are really driven. Um, most people who would consider more education after PA school are kind of crazy to begin with, I would think. Um, so that tells me something already, if there's any interest. Um, and then it got to the point where we started having multiple applicants, uh, for just one seat and the applicants kept coming and kept coming. We never even advertised this kid. We just had uh, one small brochure that was still sitting at my desk somewhere, uh, and, uh, a little bit mentioned on our, uh, on our website of a fellowship and that's it. Um, but I guess news got around and people talk. Uh, our department is quite strong and quite known in the field. Um, and so I think people talk and they realize, hey, SC has a has a PA fellowship and kind of things went from there. But I would say think about urology um, because if you really want to go deeper, then do a fellowship. Um, and just because there's so much to learn, and yes, you'll learn on the job, but I think for skill sets, for specifically uh, to be an expert uh, on the bedside on a robotic case, um, I think, uh, or learning how to handle a cystoscope or learning how to do a MRI fusion biopsy, uh, things that the outside community urologists will really admire and, and hugely appreciate because you can help with the with the patient load. You know, in urology, I think they said there's only about 13 or 14,000 practicing urologists uh, in the country. Um, and over half are age 50. So we're looking at a major retirement in the next maybe 10, 20 years. There's probably about 70 percent or so of counties in the country have zero to one, yeah, zero to not even one urologist. Um, and with this 10,000 people turning 65 every day, you know, I think we're really going to count on PAs to help meet the need uh, and burnout. I think urologists had some of the highest burnout rates uh, because of the work. Um, it, there's just so much work. But I think I also want to kind of help standardize um, postgraduate training because, you know, how I learned to do a scope with my brother-in-law, this might be completely different than how another person learned how to do a scope uh, in Florida. So I wanted to set some standard parameters. And also I learned that the American Urologic Association was watching this and really had some interest in this and postgraduate training. So I spoke uh, quite a few times uh, and I've been in, invited to speak at many of their meetings. And it's exciting just to see, you know, these PAs who really kind of have a passion for a certain field. But are you the only postgraduate fellowship in the United States for urology PAs? Technically, yes. Their Emory does have a residency, and I know there's another thing going around, um, uh, I believe, somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, and I got a call, actually, this is just two weeks ago, uh, over in Memorial Sloan Kettering and a few other programs in New York who uh, found out about this and thought it was a great idea. So I just spoke to them and their chair uh, not too long ago, give them you know, my footnotes and learn from my failures, et cetera. But uh, the more the merrier, I, I just think you know, there's such a demand. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I tell our fellows day one, I said, you know, my job is just to make sure you have fun. I really want you to have fun learning. Uh, you're a part of the team. Um, you're not a silo and we're all learning together. I've been in 20 plus years and still learning every day. So, uh, but yeah, it just kind of all, you know, we, we have an animal lab with suture lab. We, we offer you know, intuitive surgical first bedside assist certification. We do research. There's publication options, grand rounds, journal club, m and rounds, uh, MRI rounds, radiology rounds. Uh, anything and everything. If you have an interest or passion, we can, we can, we can uh, give you part of that, uh, the team, make you part of that team.
So one of the things that I hear from students when they're kind of weighing the pros and cons of, of staying in an educational track mm -hmm. is the salary differences. Mm -hmm. So can you can you address that just a little bit in terms of what what they should expect in terms of work hours and in terms of compensation and what happens when they graduate from the fellowship? And then, you know, I, I would presume their compensation changes drastically once they are a three year fellowship. That's a great question. Uh, generally, subspecialty PAs do overall make a pretty good salary um, just because uh, there's a big need and it's just a supply and demand type of thing. Uh, versus if you have a one-year fellowship, particularly if you have a fellowship under a really strong program with strong leadership, so they know an Indy Guild, they know a C Adonishman, they know, they know the names in urology. It's a very small, small community. Uh, and wow, you've learned this, you learned that. Uh, it really does look great on the resume. And part of my job is also helping with, with job placement and recruiting. Uh, it's funny. I, I think that I honestly, Kev, I think I have a good business proposition. We should become headhunters because I get calls from uh, you name it. I've had University of Washington. I've had the other school across the 405 or UCLA, um, UC Irvine. I've had... Um, several programs in the east as well as northern california um, asking about uh, pas that's just academics i've had a ton of community urologists asking for pas uh, regularly uh, and every time they ask they're bumping their salary higher and higher just because they they know they're well trained and they know they're gonna you know and these guys are business people they know they're gonna make their money back with these pieces in the right. bill but there definitely is uh, 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 some I would say um, some panache with this because you do get a certificate. You, you're once you're SC, you're always SC is what I say. You know, uh, you're part of the, the family, and um, I would say they're highly recruited. Compensation uh, is different. It's a little difficult just because the models in prior practice are very strong for urology. Just because the more you can do, they typically. Uh, pay pay well, and then if you're willing to work nights or call like I did, uh, you're you're working your tail off, but you're making very good money. Um, but certainly, I would say um, they're going to see. Uh, I, I can't quote a percentage, but I know they get paid better than the average typical new grad would make. And a lot of these guys who are recruiting, they they know me and our program, so um, they would basically get the inside scoop. Hey, how's this one, or how's that one? And but the fellowship, honestly, has been great for us for recruitment too. You know, we we keep the good ones and go ahead and turf the other ones that are good but not great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's been great. Uh, but I do think they're uh, they're sad salary would certainly be higher. It would demand higher salaries. Um, and, um, and, you know, they could probably get better schedules and that they know, you know, that these are well-trained PAs in urology and they know their skill set. So, um, so yeah, it, it works out pretty good. I think. What I hear you saying, if I can summarize what I hear you mm -hmm. saying is that, uh, going to a fellowship like your program allows mm -hmm. them to add on some significant reimbursable skills and the more competent they become at those reimbursable skills the easier it is to negotiate a much higher salary to start right out of fellowship it's true in that if you know how to take care of a complex uh, urethral dilation or a cystoscope or a prostate biopsy and you know how to do all these things and let alone uh, help in the or and in, in open and robotic cases you're going to be golden uh, because a lot of these departments are going to really rely on you to help uh, with the patient load. So I do think uh, you come out well-trained, you come out learning a lot of oncology, a lot of, we get, we're a big tertiary quaternary center. So we get some of the most complex cases come here. Um, cases that in prior practice, when I was in, I would 
we would never touch these patients with a 10 foot pole. They were that complex. And every patient we see here is, is that patient that there's no simple patient here, Uh, but that makes it fun too. That makes it really fun. But yes, I do think they will learn from the best. um, And I do think uh, they will be rewarded uh, as such. So, so we've talked about all the great things about being a urology PA. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there are some folks that probably it's not the right fit. So what are those mm-hmm. things that tend to drive people away from becoming a urology PA? It's a tough field. Uh, it's at, at this, you know, I, I would say going back to that burnout rate, I think urologist was like, urology was like number one or number two, uh, almost half 40 plus percent were, were burnt out, technically met the criteria. It's just because there were doesn't stop. Uh, and, and I'm talking straight from the, from the gut here. It's, there are days, especially with COVID, it's been different. You wake up, you get your coffee on, you go and you're on the screen like I am with you. And then you look at your watch and you realize, Holy cow, kids are already asleep and you're still at it. Uh, and you're basically nonstop. And then in this day and age, you know, they have my cell phones and emails and and they can message you through the portal. So you're, you're just, I just feel like it's just really not, and that could probably be most subspecialties in this day and age, but in urology, there's, there's a lot, uh, it's a high demand field. uh, And if you really care about the patient and you really take a person, you're going to, you're going to, you know, it's going to, you're going to, you're going to work it and work your hours and it's going to reflect. But at the same time, it's so rewarding. Um, and, you know, especially being a cancer center, um, what was that saying? I think it was, you treat a disease and you win, you lose, you treat a person and I guarantee you'll win no matter what the outcomes, uh, every time that was patch Adams. Uh, but it's true because, you know, you treat a person here and you treat them like your own family. That's, that's been my saving grace since graduating is treat everybody like family that, that always guides your decisions every single time. And whether you get a chest pain, it's 5 PM on a Friday night, you want to go home, stay there, just do, do the right thing. Uh, and that's been my, you know, my guiding light. Uh, but it's, it's tough. I'll be honest, long hours. Sometimes, sometimes we're in the OR, you know, at nine, 10 o'clock. Uh, if there's an emergency comes in, um, then yes, you might be called in. Uh, and yeah, we have residents and fellows and stuff, but the PAs are so good. They just become such an integral part of the team that they want to be there. They want to scrub. Um, but it's, it's demanding at the same time, as much hard work you're going to put into it, you're going to reap those benefits as well. So Dan, one of the things I've been so impressed with you about over the years is just your natural success as a leader. And mm. you're such a humble guy. Yeah. I know you're, I know, I know you're going okay, to try to tell me more. This. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to totally deflect this every time. But, but in, in all seriousness, I think EAs getting the leadership is not as common, especially in clinical leadership. Yeah. I think, I think it's growing, but what are, what are some of those things about being involved in leadership that you think have really helped you succeed? That's a great question. Uh, I did not like, to be honest, I really didn't like leadership and and all that that came with it, just because I just hated to, do, to deal with bureaucracy. Uh, as you know, there's so many layers in a huge place like ours, and there were several times, Kev, I can count on more than one hand that the CEO or um, some of the big leaders asked me to to hey, you know, run transplant or hey, what you've done for your role, you help me do with ortho, help me do with this, and help me do that. And, and I was very honored, uh, but. My first love is something I always reminded myself is I love taking care of the patient. I love what I've studied and uh, what I published and researched, and I love prostate cancer. That's what I'm very passionate about. 
um, and I wouldn't leave. And uh, yeah, you can get in the C booth and you can do well and um, you have executive stuff and this and that, but I, it never floated my boat, Kev. So uh, that was me having said that, do we need it? Absolutely. Um, and so right now I am, uh, my role is I do a lot of clinical, but also a lot of administrative work. I'm the director of clinical operations for the department as well. So I do interact with a lot of leaders, um, uh, very, very amazing leadership at, at USC, many who, you know, and, uh, just, I just want to help make things happen. Uh, perfect example. So a fellow of ours graduated four or five years ago. He's always teasing me Friday nights, you know, Hey Dan, you're, you're, you're probably still working sucker. Ha ha ha. I'm going home. He, he's at Kaiser and Kaiser has, you know, it's a huge HMO and they're backlog with their prostatectomies. And he's like, Dan, I need help. I'm like, what do you want us to do? He said, just help us upload some of these prostatectomies. And I go, Okay, you're, I mean, his are straightforward, easy prostates, and not just his, I mean, the whole Southern California region. Yeah. So just, you know, we're working on this contract right now. And it wasn't because I'm brilliant at all, zero brilliance. I don't know what I'm doing many times, but it's not hard. It's not rocket science. Just put piece one together, piece two together, get the patient in, get the contract in and go, let's run. Uh, relationships. It really is, Kev, 100% relationships and being genuine. And I think being real uh, really pays dividends. But my problem, I think, is kind of I had to learn to say no um, because then I would get stressed out and I think would be just kind of dog paddling. But yeah, it's a long-winded answer saying leadership is critically important, I think. And I, I see that happening more and more, which is fantastic. Um more PAs getting opportunities in leadership. Uh, and especially I think as the, as NPs and PAs come together uh, with a stronger voice, I can see value in that. Um, I can see uh, in, even in our, uh, in our uh, field and the American Urologic Association, there's a lot more networking and a lot more, you know, front page news about uh, PAs and urology. And so that's been really, really exciting to see. Um, but, but yeah, definitely uh, there's room for more. That's awesome. So my last question for you, Dan, is mm -hmm. you have a very successful career. You're a successful leader at USC, and you, you just admitted you have a hard time saying no, and you went on and you went and got your doctorate. So for those clinical PAs that are out there that are listening, what was the motivation to, to go back to school, and you know what are you hoping to do with it, or what have you already done with it since you finished? You know, it's uh, funny. Uh, I didn't want to do this, Kev. Uh, it was your partner, <laughs> Janice, once again, pushed me. Dan, I remember this conversation with, with Vanessa Blasek, who was one of your, your students as well, too. Number 69 female in the world to, seven, to summit all seven summits, as you I know. know. I always, I yes, always call I her do. number 69. Uh, but Janice is like, if you want to make your fellowship into a possible doctorate program, that means you need to go back and get it, too. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> I got no, Janice, I, I cannot do that. Uh, I have no time, let alone to, you know, I need to put a catheter in myself because I can't pee during the day with, with so many limited mm -hmm. hours. Uh, but she said, you should consider her, her, her own sage way. And uh, and I thought about it and I'm thinking, okay, maybe she does see value in this. Maybe it does make sense. And I, I do like research. I do like publications and, um, uh, and, and being able to speak, um, on a, you know, nas national level is nice because, um, you can, uh, it's not about commanding any more respect. It's just showing that you're really dedicated to the field. Um, and so that's been great. And as soon as I got it, Kev, it was not fun. It was definitely doable. You just got to be diligent, uh, do the work. Um, but I started 
it's, it's fuzzy, funny how much your network starts to expand and you don't even realize. Uh, I had people coming down to the podium, uh, many from you know, pharma saying, hey, Dan, I loved your talk. Can you speak on this? Can you speak on that? And you know, I told them, hey, I work for the university, so I can't do this per se, but I could you know, do this pro bono for you and whatever I can do to help and, and help with some trials, et cetera. That's been exciting. I think this opens a lot of uh, doors that you never really thought about. And that part's really, really exciting, whether it's leadership, you know, speaking engagements, et cetera. Uh, but that part's been pretty fun. Uh, Dan, any last tidbits that you were hoping to share with our audience that we haven't already spoken about? Yeah, I think to, maybe to encourage those who are thinking about PA school, uh, if it's in your heart, really think about it, but but go shadow some and you'll really learn a lot about what they do. And that was eye-opening for me. I'm thinking, geez, these, these people were absolutely brilliantly smart, knew how to manage complex stuff, but they were just like you and I, and they were just like really approachable. So get to know um, the PA profession, let, you know, look at legislation and look at all the things that are going around with the, with regards to, you know, optimal team practice and the name change and all that stuff and be familiar with that, because I think that's going to keep on coming back for those and every, you know, kind of uh, opportunity you get to network. I think it's critically important. And for those looking into a fellowship, ask yourself why, why do you want to do this? Um, it's a big waste. Uh, if you just don't know why you just want to go back and, and do more schooling. Um, it's, it's not fair for you as well as the, your, your program, but if you really know and love your field, whatever it might be, um, then I would highly recommend it. One year goes by really fast. You could talk to our prior fellows. Uh, it goes by super fast. Many still text and keep in touch with me and, and, and talk about some great things that they're doing. So it's a great profession and I encourage you all to, to look into it more if you're, if you're, if you're just kind of, you know, testing the waters. Thank you, Dan. This is probably not a good scientific study, but in looking at you on the camera, mm -hmm. I would say it's a lot less stressful being the director of a fellowship than being the director of a PA school because <laughs> you look so young. <laughs> My goodness. We're both My God, no way. <laughs> I'm getting old, Tim. I have arthritis in my spine, my neck. I have this joint arthritis. I'm, I'm getting old, man, but uh, I want to retire. That's what I want to do, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then start the next great thing. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I mean, congratulations on just a absolutely stellar career at SCU. You have, when I got into leadership at the dean level, you're the name that comes up all the time when they yeah. come up. <laughs> Don't no, yes. totally. Just take it. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, there are others there, of course, that have mm -hmm. really laid the groundwork for all of us, but um, you have made it uh, very easy to be a PA at Tech and uh, you're to be commended for that. So I wish you the very best. Thanks so much, Kev. Thanks for all you do for not only being a part of, you know, the profession, but just, you know, being a great human being, Kev. You're amazing. Yeah, you're very kind. Well, we want to thank our guest, Dr. Daniel Park, for his time and insights into the urology fellowship and being a PA in the urology specialty. As you can tell, Dan is incredibly humble and his program that he has put together is largely due to his success. He is quick to offer credit to others, but we wanna just acknowledge on the inside scoop that the institution is enamored with his leadership and his success. As we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we're gonna be taking a short break to get settled in Tucson, Arizona. So we will be out on social media, letting you know when we're hitting it off with the next episode. And we have some really exciting people lined up to talk about the profession. So we hope to see you soon. In the meantime, enjoy the break and we'll talk to you later.
Until next time, we wish you success with whatever path you are walking in life. And thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to provide news and information on the PA profession and is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of the University of Arizona.